Good morning. It's an exciting morning this morning, so I'm excited. Uh, Jericho Hollis is going to get baptized today, so that's super exciting. Um, so I'll just start this off by uh, we have a trough <laughs> of water. So this is, you know, at the end, and this is an open invite. I mean, we'll see in Scripture as I read it at the end, like, God tells us, like, repent and be baptized. Like, this is, this is it. Like, that's, that's how God works in our lives. It's not complex. You don't have to clean yourself up first. Um, we just confess faith and trust in him that, that he's the one that cleanses us, that he's the one that has rescued us. And that's it. That's the gospel. And he does the rest of the work, and it's beautiful. And, you know, we just saying, and, and uh, I just got to ask, like, have you seen God make a way where there was no way? And, and some of you are probably going, no. And that's, that's fair. And this morning we're going to be talking about gathering. We're going to talk about this. What are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we here? Why do we gather? Why does Jesus tell us to gather? Why does God tell us to gather together as followers of Christ? And some of it's that. Because you know what? You might not have a story, but I got a story. A lot of you have stories where you go, this was God. I, I, I can't, I can't I, maybe, maybe you can't give the theological backdrop and doctrine and, and all of these things, but, but you can say, I saw God work here. And I saw him work here. And I don't have an answer to it other than, he just made a way where there was no way. And so this morning, I, I want us, we're, we're going to take this, okay? We're going to take this gathering, this assembly of people, just random people, right? Some of you know, I, some of you know, I know, boy, <laughs> some of you I know and some of you I don't. Um, and looking around the room, I changed the chairs, didn't I? <laughs> gotcha. I kind of like it. I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll pull the audience afterwards. But I think it's cool because you know what? When it's all lined up, you don't see anybody else. And now you're like, oh, hey, everybody's here. I don't know those people. I don't know those people. And I don't know those people. Because there's an import to this gathering. This is not just something that you just chose to do. You know, and if, and if you're signing on on YouTube, and I'll, I'll talk through that, like, like, this is still gathering right now because, hey, we're in a crazy time. But there's, there's a reason why God calls us to gather together, and it's not just because we had free time on a Sunday morning. So let me start by praying. Father, we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come before you, to open up your word, and to see what you have for us, to, to call us to you to convict us through your Holy Spirit. May that happen this morning, Father. Help us to see how desperately we need you. Remind us of that, Father. And show us this morning how desperately we need the church, each other, and why you gave us this for your glory and for our good. It's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen. Now, hopefully you heard if... Um, 
If your kids are in K through fifth, they're going to come back in during the time of response um, so that they can all watch their bro, Jericho, get baptized. So, so just realize that that'll happen. Uh, Lisa post, uh, Leslie posted on the, uh, on the family page about that. So, all right, so we're, what have we been talking about? So we're in spiritual disciplines, right? Like that's what we're doing, and it sounds really not fun. Um, but hopefully as, you've been, as we've been walking along this, like we're seeing like this is not like the checklist of things you got to do to be a Christian, to be saved. You know, you said that it was just uh, us repenting and, and trusting in Christ, and it is. Um, and the spiritual disciplines are, are known as a means of grace, access to God where we actually experience his love and mercy, and, and, we, and he gives us these. These are, these are presents. These are gifts to us, and one of them is reading scripture, right? And we talked about that and how God gives us his very words. He preserved them for us. Like, that's crazy, Right? Like, this is an old book, not this particular one, but it's unchanged. Like, that's incredible, okay? That, that's impossible, actually. Um, he, gives us, he gives us prayer. He gives us the ability to talk to him, to converse with him, and he talks to us, right, in different ways, in that still, silent voice, in, this, in these different means. He gives us this closeness to him, and he gives us fasting so that we can put aside the distractions of this world to, to draw close to him. And these are all vertical. These are you and him. You do these in a vacuum. You do these by yourself. They don't require anybody else. Sadly, that individualism has pervaded our culture. That's our society. And technology has contributed to that, right? Like, I don't need any of you. I've got Amazon, <laughs> I've got Uber, I've got YouTube to DIY everything I need to do. Tell me why I need you. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you go, well, back in the day, they needed each other, and true, they did. Societally, right, culturally, they needed each other. They depended upon each other, right? You, you, you raised the corn. If I wanted corn, I had to go to you, <laughs> right? It's not how it is now. And so the question we have is, then why? why? Do we really need this? And that's our task this morning is to look at these things. Because what we're going to see is that reading scripture, prayer, fasting, all of those things build this relationship. And what's the response to that? What did we say last week? Worship, right? As we do this, as we, as we acknowledge who God is and what he's done for us, we respond, we will respond in worship, Okay? Now, what happens after that? I, I was thinking about doing a demonstration here, but I, I didn't want to make a mess. All right, so I want you to picture a, a, a cup or a vase here, right? God is pouring into us. His Holy Spirit dwells inside of us if we are a follower of Christ, if we trust in him, right? And so he's pouring into us. Prayer, scripture, fasting, right? Pouring into us. What ends up happening? We overflow. And then it spreads. That is the next three disciplines that we're going to be talking about. What's the outflow? What, what happens after this worship? What happens is that we gather together. We serve each other. We give. Like These are horizontal. These are relational. They require other people. They require them. You can't gather by yourself. You can't serve. Well, you can serve yourself. <laughs> we'll talk about that. You can't give to yourself. 
They require other people. There's a society here. There's, there's other people around, and that's what we're going to be looking at in these next ones. All right, so, so today we're going to be talking about gathering. And probably you know, the, probably the most common verse is Matthew 18, 20. What does it say? Where two or more gather, there I will be. There you go. That's the end of the sermon. That's it. Jesus says that, that if you gather two, two, he doesn't say one, two or more, or more, he will be here. That's his promise. So you go, oh, well, if I want this relationship I have with God, if I want his presence, then I need to go find somebody else. <laughs> I need, I need to gather with somebody else. I don't care who, right? They just need to be a, a follower of Christ. And then Jesus is there. You know the context of that verse? It's not a good context. It's actually a really rough context. It's actually in church discipline that Jesus is talking about. You guys know that? The, the preceding verses to 1820 is Jesus talking about how if there's a conflict inside the church, and how you should reconcile with each other. And if you can't reconcile with each other, guess what you should do? You should gather together and you should gather to assemble the elders. And you should go and you should pray and seek counsel. And then Jesus says, and I promise you, when you do that, when you're together, I'll be there. He tells, he tells Peter actually two chapters earlier that on his statement of faith, that's what he's going to build his church. This is what he's doing. So he is assembling us, he is gathering us, and he promises to be present with us. That's an incredible gift. And so what's the implications of this? So, so that word, church, ecclesia is the Greek word. You know what it means? It, it's not Christian at all, actually. It's, it's Greek. It was like used to, to call out. It's actually more political. It was like the calling out of people from their homes. And it was like, hey, everybody, come to the town square. We need to assemble, right? You got that mental image? Everybody, get, get, come out of your houses. We need to assemble. We need to discuss stuff. That's what it is. That's what the church is. And so when Jesus says, I will build my church, Okay, well, what's that assembly for then? And what does he say? When they gather in my name. So this isn't just random gatherings of people, right? Jesus isn't saying, hey, if there's just two people gathering around, I'm there. No, no, no. When they gather in my name, this is us gathering in his name. And so what he, what he, the picture that he's building is that this is an assembly, a gathering of followers of Christ. And so that's the basis for what he's talking about as we walk through this. And so we have to realize that, that this, this gathering here is not for you. Can I say that? Is that okay? You guys with me? It's not for you. Listen, you can listen to a much better sermon promise you that. You can listen to a much better sermon on gathering. You can listen to better worship. I'm sorry, Warner. <laughs> it's good. Not 
and the band. Sorry, it's not just Warner up here. You can. It's more than that. It's not for you. It's from you. Like, this assembly doesn't happen unless we are gathering together. Okay? I know that sounds kind of logical, but you guys get the, the connection there. Like, this is not just a bunch of individuals sitting in seats consuming. That's not what Jesus designed this to be. That's not what this calling out, this assembly of people ever was. It was that you were coming out of your house to contribute. And I don't mean contribute like, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about serving and giving later, but that's not what he's talking about. He's just talking about like for discourse, for like discussion, for, for talking about things. That's what it was for. And so that's what he's calling us out for. And so if you turn over to um, Acts chapter 2, the verses will be on the screen as well. Uh, we see a picture of that first church, and it's in verse 44 where we're going to pick out. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, and all who believed were together. Okay, so realize this, once again, this is, this is believers, Right? And they had all things in common. Really? I mean, all things? That can't be, right? It obviously can't be all things in common, right? Because you all have different jobs than I do, right? We have different families. We have different backgrounds. So, so what does he mean here by all things? All things that matter. Christ, what do we have in common? You know, we, the beginning of COVID, actually, I think it was right when COVID started. We had a whole thing of what is the church? I, I don't remember what the name of the sermon series was, but it was like, what is the church? And we, and we spent several weeks walking through this. And what we saw is that we are united in Christ. We are diverse people. We have different political opinions. I can tell you that. We have different views on COVID, and let's just throw out some stuff. We have a lot of diversity in this church, and it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It is, and it should be, because the thing that unites us is Christ. It's our salvation. It's our trust. It's our faith. That's what unites us, not your belief. In, in fact, I would rather, listen, I, well, I got to be careful. <laughs> I, and I've said this before. I really try hard for you guys not to figure out where, where I stand on different things. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it's good for us. It should be good for us to listen to other people that, that disagree with us. Honestly. I, I, I'll just leave that there. All right. I'm getting, I'm getting, deep. I'm getting off my notes here. They had Christ in common. Now look at what it describes in verse 45. And they were, what'd they do? Selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, inferred together. This isn't just them, they're not just talking about them just going home and eating. It's eating together they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. This is what God does with his people. 
He assembles them together. They support each other. They encourage each other. They eat together. We'll have a family gathering afterwards, after this. Right? Burgers and hot dogs will be, we'll start smelling them here probably in about 20 minutes or so, right? Like, we're going to eat together. That's important, you guys. There's this great book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, I can't remember her first name. Uh, Butterfield, I think, is her last name. But it's an incredible book. And it talks about her um, change in life and how it was through eating meals, just like an unassuming invite to somebody's house and just being hospitable. We've lost that. Honestly, COVID makes it a little bit difficult too, but, but we've lost that, right? And so, so this is what he says. This is how he describes it. And then we get to the first point of what the effect of that is. So that's what happens. So what he describes as happening in the church. Okay, so, so what does gathering do? The first point that we're going to see is that gathering actually brings salvation. Okay. Not, not that we grant salvation to people. Look at what he says in verse 47, the second part of that. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The world is watching us. We can say whatever we want. We can say whatever we want. But when we live it out, it's different. When the world saw the disciples and those who believed gathering together, sharing their positions, what does it say? It says they had favor with all. What does that mean? That means everybody looked at them and was like, they're cool people. <laughs> it's not what people think now. They look at the gathering of the church and they go, judgmental. Right? They don't, they don't see it the way that, that they ought to see the church. And this is what he's talking about here. And he, and he says that what ends up happening is that people look at it and they go, what's different? What's going on there? Church, it, would people say that about the crossing? And it's not that this is particular to the crossing, right? There's churches right across the street, right down the street, right? Like, like do, have you been to a church where you go, what it should be. And that's not because some, some crazy, like, spiritual hooby-dooby thing is going on. It's because we're loving each other and caring for each other, right? We're providing for each other. And we're going to continue to expand on this, but there is something about this gathering that draws the world in and sees God in this gathering, and convicts them and leads them to repentance that's followed by rescue. That's the point of our gathering. This isn't just an appointment on a Sunday morning. It's not just for the people on YouTube. It's not just turning it on and just letting it roll. That's not what this gathering is. It is of eternal import. What would your faith be without a church? Have you thought about this? I never had <laughs> until this morning. <laughs> really? Would you have come to faith? 
Would you have known stories? Would you have seen examples of God making a way where there was no way? Would you have ever sung a song to God? Would you have ever cracked open a Bible? You see, God uses the church to rescue the world. That's one way he does it. Now, does this mean that you have to be a part? Certainly not, right? Like people are rescued by God independent of a church. However, this is a predominant way, especially in our society, that God reaches people. And so when somebody walks in here or you begrudgingly drag somebody in here, (laughs) the point is that they hear the gospel, but not just that they hear me up here blabbing about it, but that they see it lived out in power in our lives, that they see a love and a grace and a mercy and a reconciliation and compassion between us that the world doesn't see normally because ours is a reflection of Jesus Christ. Ours is us reflecting Christ to the world. Not because we're better people, certainly not. But that God uses us to reflect his image to this world. So there's a second point. So the gathering brings salvation It's not just for other people. It's for us. The gathering is discipleship. You see, God assembles us together so that we can become more like Christ and that we can live lives that are glorifying to him. Um, uh, If you were here at the night of worship, Doug talked, and he's talked before about this, like, kind of Roman centurion thing of, like, protecting your front, right? And that uh, it's kind of like, who's got your back? And I'll kind of infer this a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to steal it a a little bit. But in in my line of work, (laughs) this is going to sound very cliche, but it's true, okay? So bear with me for a second. So speed is life, okay? Have you guys ever heard that term? Um. Honestly, it is. So when, when you're going very fast, everybody ends up at your 6 o'clock. That's what happens. And you isolate them, right? Like they, they get funneled to your 6 o'clock. It's a, there's, a, there's a protection in there. But the problem is, is you just going fast doesn't really help you out very, for very long. You having this great individual relationship with God is fantastic, and you're spearing straight ahead, and man, you're getting the doctrine, and you're, you, man, you're, your life is changing. That's great. But eventually, the enemy is going to gravitate towards your sex. And the question is, is who's watching your sex? And I know that's super cheesy for me, but that's, it's real. It's real, and that's where discipleship comes in. That's, that's where we are protecting each other and where we, we're looking and we're interacting with each other. Not that we're judging each other, but that we're encouraging and helping and exhorting each other. Turn over to Ephesians uh, chapter four. Paul talks about this and he describes the church. We're gonna walk through verses 11 through 16 here. Look at what he says in verse 11. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, we're going to stop here for just a second, okay? It says he gave. It's talking about Jesus, okay? He gave all these people these roles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why? What? To do what? To do the work of ministry? Nope. Not at all. Who's doing the work of ministry? You. <laughs> you are. This whole idea of like, I'm going to go into ministry. That's not, not biblical. You're all in ministry. That's what it says. To equip the saints, that's you, that's all of us, for the work of ministry. You are all in ministry. And when we gather together, we are ministering to each other. We are caring for each other. For what purpose? To build up the body of Christ. That's, that's to strengthen. And we're going to talk about the body of Christ here in a second, but that's, you guys have heard that term when it talks about the church, right? The body of Christ. Like, that's us. To strengthen us. It's exercise. It's good for you, right? That's what he's saying. This discipleship, it's good for you. What's the point of it? Until, verse 13, until we all, all of us, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If that last few words doesn't create some, a little bit of tension in you, it, it should. What's the purpose? We're here to equip to do the work of ministry. And what's the work of ministry? To build each other up so that we will be to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. That's what we're here to do. Is that why you came to church this morning? <laughs> Is that why we gather? We miss this, right? We're, we kind of... I'm like, I don't know, it was just Sunday and my alarm clock went off and that's what time my alarm clock goes off on Sundays. Look at what it says in verse 14. What's the point of that? Why? Why should we be mature? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, the problem is, is oftentimes we get stuck in a childhood state. Not that you don't pay your bills, you don't, you got your own house or apartment or whatever, and that's not what he's talking about here. Spiritual maturity. The point of our discipleship is that we are helping each other mature. So that we'll be protected. We won't be carried to and fro. And then verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what we're here to do, is to disciple one another, to increase our knowledge in the Son of God, to increase our unity in the faith, to maturity. Why? For our protection. Because you know what you're struggling with? Somebody else has struggled with that, and, and Jesus is the answer. Honestly. And whatever your problem is, I mean, seriously, fire away. Because I can tell you how Scripture and the gospel answers that question, that dilemma in your life. God isn't just there waiting for us to die. He's here. He's with us. We're two or more gathered. He's with us, and he's, and he's protecting us. What, how? With each other. He's like, gather, gather. Jesus even talks to Israel, right? Like when he's going into Jerusalem, and he's like, oh, Israel, oh, Israel. Actually, I think he says, oh, Jerusalem. Anyway, whichever one. It doesn't matter. He's like, how I wished I could gather you together like children. You see, God knows what we need, and we need to be discipling each other and gathering together to do that. So what does that take? That takes time. It takes commitment. It doesn't take, it's not something you can just turn on and off. You see, that's the tough part, because then it gets messy, right? It gets really messy. Church gets messy. Relationships get messy. They're they're heavy. What do we do with that? We disciple. We point to the cross. We point to Christ and his power. And that's what we do. And we walk with each other. We encourage each other. And we proclaim Christ. That's what we do. That's, that's the answer. All right, the last point. I, this one may be, it's actually the second to last point, but this one may sound a little bit weird, but gathering is communal. It's communal. I, that sounds redundant, doesn't it? <laughs> I kind of made the point earlier, right? Like, like, you can't gather by yourself. I know that sounds obvious, but we have all of these resources and technology, and you know what? The people that are on YouTube, like, that's, that's okay. It's okay. Co I mean, we all have risk decisions to make. We have different life circumstances. That's fine. But it needs to be temporary, right? And so I would just caution, you know, like it's easy for us to just turn on the TV. It is. But this kind of discipleship, requires interaction. And maybe not now. Maybe, maybe it's not appropriate now based on everything that's going on. Totally fine. But it, it should be welling up inside of you this desperation for the gathered church. It should be. It should be. And that's okay. And that's okay that there's time. And God knows your heart. God knows where you're at. But he also knows if your affections are pouring to the side of, oh, this is way more convenient because I don't even have to get up out of bed. Right? And so I just... You know, I, I throw that out there, and, and, and I would even say, like, if you're on YouTube and you're not in Jacksonville or you're not part of our church, like, like, part of the Crossing Church, go find a church. 
go find a local church that you can be a part of. Because it's not a substitute. Technology's great, but it does not do these things. It doesn't. So let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are each necessary. That's why I said it's, it's communal. There's no choice. It has to be. This is what it says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, we're going to continue to read on through verse 26 here in a second, but just to give you some context, uh, Paul is describing the body of Christ, right? It's It's this metaphor that runs throughout Scripture. Paul uses it quite often. Obviously, Jesus used it. We already talked about that, right? The body of Christ. It's communal. It has to be made up of different people. Has to. That's the description of it. And what does it say in verse 18? God arranged the members in the body, each one of you. You all have different gifts. You all have different lives. You all have different experiences. You all have different talents. You all have different views. You have different everything. And God grabbed you and said, you're going to be here. You're going to be a part of this body because this body needs an ear. This body needs a mouth. This body needs a leg. Whatever that is, right? You guys get this metaphor. And so God arranged this. In verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. We are all equal. We are all equal. Just because I'm standing up here reading from this Bible does not make me any different than any of you. And if you're part of this church, you guys understand that, I think, I hope. We are all gathering together to glorify God in our lives. And God saw fit to orchestrate a sequence of events that put me here (laughs) that I would have never imagined. And maybe the same for you. Maybe it's just this morning you go, I'm surprised I'm here. It's okay what God does. That's how he works. He says in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And this last verse is absolutely incredible. If one member suffers, all of us suffer. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. The gathering's communal. We are one body. Pain is pain. If your foot hurts, you know it. 
the leg's broken, you know it. If one of you is hurt, if somebody in here is hurt, do you know it? If somebody in here is rejoicing, do you know it? Jericho's getting baptized today. He's happy. He's excited. His family's excited. His family's here, right? Like, how cool. We get to rejoice along with them this morning. This one's easy because it happens right here. Most of our rejoicing and suffering happens in our homes, in our brains, in our hearts, where nobody knows about it. And we like to keep it that way. But that's not what this gathering is for. It's not where discipleship's going to come in. It's not where encouragement's going to come in. And so, during the night of worship on Friday, you know, we had an opportunity to give testimony, to just talk about, like, what God is doing in our lives. And you can hear, like, I think everybody cried. I think. Maybe. Or close. It's not just me. <laughs> and you hear these stories of, of just really dark places and times in people's lives and how God made a way where there was no way. And you go, wow, that's cool. You know what's cool? You know what's really cool? Is when you get to suffer alongside of them and then rejoice with them. That's when it's really cool. It's when you're, when you're going to God in prayer over and over and over again with them, praying for the same things they're praying for, and then God answers the prayer, and you then get to rejoice alongside them. That's what this is for. It's beautiful, and it's amazing. And I'll, I'll be completely honest. There are times when people have asked me to pray for them, and I have not. And I have failed to do that. And it pains me to no end because I just, it, just, it just left my mind. And then when, when it gets answered, I feel like I got left behind. You guys felt that? Because you're like, man, I could have been a part of that. I could have I been rejoicing alongside. I mean, I'm still rejoicing with you. Like, that's awesome. But, man, how much more awesome would it have been if, if I had been going to God every morning and praying and seeking his face and, and fasting and pouring over scripture and on your behalf and trying to figure out what the right answers are, what the right words are, and then God answers it. How glorious would that be? How encouraging would that be? You see, the gathering is communal. And our last point is, this is not optional. It's not. It, how can it be? When we read through all of this, how can, we, how can we say that the gathering is something I might go to? How can we treat it with such carelessness? It's beautiful. This is beautiful. This, even on YouTube, like this is beautiful. Because we know each other. Because we disciple each other. Because we're, we're, we're helping God be glorified in this world by the way that we live towards each other and interact with each other. It is a means of God's grace in this world. That's what this gathering is. 
Let us not treat it as something that we could do with or without. Because that's not how God saw it. And that's not how Jesus describes his church. Let me pray.